Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob here. Welcome to the Rob's Rant episode. Every now and again, I have a bit of a rant and I'm going to ask you to stop pulling your pants down. Now, where are we going with this? Well, let me give you a little bit of an analogy. Let's say you wanted to buy a watch and let's say you'd heard that Rolex, you know, they were a good watch to buy. And so you went to a Rolex dealer and you said to the Rolex dealer, how much is your most common or popular Rolex? And they said, it's the Rolex Daytona, it's 8,050 pounds. Now, the analogy in a price perspective is they have pulled their pants down because if they tell you the price before you understand the value, then in your mind, you're looking at is 8,050 pounds a lot of money to you or not a lot of money to you? So you're making a purely price or cost based decision. So if £8,050 is quite a lot of money to you, and then you might compare it to your car might be less than £8,050, and the deposit for your house might have been less than £8,050, you're immediately going to clam up and you're going to be much, much harder to sell to to buy the Daytona. And of course, I'm talking about this if you're a buyer and if you're a seller. Now, let's look at it a different way. Imagine that you went to the Rolex dealer, you were interested in a Rolex, you didn't really know much about the price, you were asking for the most popular Rolex, and when you asked how much is the most popular Rolex, if the salesperson said, well, why don't you tell me what you know about Rolex already? Then you might start saying, well, I don't know too much, I know that it's you know, the most popular luxury watch brand, I understand the sports models are the ones to go for. Oh, okay, and what do you know about the sports models? Well, I don't know much. Can you tell me more? Well, yeah, we have the Rolex Submariner, we have the Rolex Daytona. The Rolex Submariner's our most popular. Uh, the Rolex Daytona is our most popular, but also the one that appreciates the most in value. If you look on TV, nearly every celebrity wears a Rolex Daytona. Jamie Redknapp, who's on Sky Sports, he wears a Rolex Daytona. Rob Morey's got a 1979 Rolex Daytona for his birth year. And you'll find that collectors, they store Rolex Daytonas the the most. In fact, if you go back to 1979, when Rob bought his very first Rolex, the price would have been about 1,100 pounds. And, um, you know, a 1979 Rolex now, you'd you'd be doing really well if you found one under 30,000 pounds. So if you invest in a Rolex Daytona today, you're not just buying a watch. You're buying an investment that goes up and up and up and up more than any other watch. You are buying status. You are buying recognition. You are buying a connection with the most successful, wealthy celebrity people on the planet. Anyone who looks at your wrist when they look at you and you've got a Rolex Daytona on, they know that's understated class and they judge you by looking at your watch. Okay, so pause. So now you can see the difference. The sales clerk that I'm doing a role play of in this instance is starting to build your interest, your desire, your intrigue, your want for the watch. And you don't know yet how much it is and you might start to guess. And of course, the more value you perceive, the guess of how much the watch would be would be higher and higher and higher. And then if that's been a very good process, then you ask about the price and then the price is shown. Now you can see value in the purchase and in fact in the investment. And therefore, there's some commitment, there's some buy-in, there's some time investment, 
and you're much more likely to make the sale. Okay, so I'm gonna list a few bullets here and some tips to remember, but fundamentally, do not show your price too soon on your website when someone asks your price. What you find is if customers are very, very price focused, they'll often be the ones that want a tenner for a fiver. They'll be the customers that give you the most amount of headache, pain, they drain your time, they take up a lot of your customer service resource, yet they pay you the least and they demand the most. So it's also a good way to spot what type of customer this will be if they just don't wanna know, tell me the price, don't wanna know, tell me the price, don't wanna know, tell me the price. Now, of course, if you're in a very commodity-based niche or industry, like you're selling peanuts or you're selling airline tickets in the budget class, then obviously price is the main driver. But for most businesses, even people who perceive that price is the main driver because they think that it's a standardized price, like I'm an accountant, I'm a solicitor, you can only charge X amount for a, you know, a valuation report or whatever. But the reality is, Richard Dyson took a vacuum cleaner, which everyone was qu quite happy to just pay a small amount of money for a practical one that did a job, and he gets people paying three, four or 500 pound now for a digital small skinny one that looks good on your arm. But the reality is it does the same thing. Steve Jobs got us to pay hundreds of pounds for an iPhone. When if, do you remember the days when you used to buy a phone? You could get the very best phone. Even you remember those small Nokias that were the best everyone wanted or the HTCs or the Samsungs. And you could go in and get one of the best phones if you paid 32 pound a month on your contract instead of 25 pound a month on the contract. For like seven pound a month, you'd get a three or a 500 quid head, handset for free. And Steve Jobs reversed it and he made us pay three, four, five, six hundred pound up front in advance to get the phone because we want the phone. So even those commoditized or apparently commoditized niches, you can change it by creating a higher value perception, desire, intrigue, need, status, etc. People will not buy your stuff in droves if you drop your pants and tell them the price first. They don't know the value yet. Be very careful where you publish your price. If you have to put it on your web, uh, you know, for example, if you're selling furniture, you know, often people want to see the price. Put it at the bottom. Let them see the great images. Build the value of the piece of furniture, the money back guarantee, you know, the, the speed of delivery. Build all the sexy benefits in and then the price. So at least they can build this. Oh, OK, that's why I need it. That's why I need it. That's really good. I want that. And then the prices come. So don't put it at the top. Put it at the bottom. Make them have to go through a couple of pages or work a little bit harder to get to the price. You know, show them your testimonials, your social proof or the pictures you have with credible people in your industry, all the logos of all the articles you've read and the famous things you've done, you know, building that, reducing that risk and building that safety in investing in your product or service. Here are the following things you need to build first before you drop your pants and tell them the price. Number one is intrigue. Oh, I really want this. Tell me more. This is, you know, this is really interesting. You have my attention. Number two is desire, which is, oh, I really want this. Yeah, yeah, I want a watch that goes up in value. I want a watch that celebrities look at me and go, oh, yeah, we've got the same watch. You must be like me. You must be a celebrity too. Buy-in and time investment. The more time someone has invested in researching your product, spending time with you, getting to know your product and service, getting to know you, your team, you know, being involved in maybe the creation of your product or the pre-launch, the more they've read up on it, the more interested and passionate they are about it, 
the more likely they are to buy it. That's a bit like, you know, your favorite band, Radiohead, whoever your favorite band are, you know, you've bought all their albums, you've listened to their albums since you were 15, you're 40 now. When they release an album, you don't have to go and read the sleeve cover to cover, look at all the tracks, listen to all the songs on YouTube first, do some research on Radiohead. You already know, you've spent a lot of your time and your life buying into the band. You're just gonna go and buy the album when it comes out. And that's how you want people to be with your products and service. Risk reduction and then risk reversal. So the more risk the customer has in buying your stuff, i.e. high price, don't know much about it, risk as in no money back guarantee or you know, no testimonials or social proof on the website or no reviews, the more risk there is to them, now, i.e. the less certainty, the less like they are to buy it. So if you can reduce the risk, which is step one, which is maybe give them some accreditation, some security online, some reviews, etc., then that's a good thing that you can do. You'll get more buyers. But if you can reverse the risk, like more than a money back guarantee, or if you're selling, for example, information products, they can have a money back guarantee and they can keep all the information you sell them, you will sell even more. Discounts. We all love a discount. JJB, they've been having a closing down sale since 1985. So have all those furniture shops. So while some of us think that discounts are a bit gimmicky, oh, well, you know, that's the real price. The thing is, if you don't offer people a reason to buy now, whether it's a discount, whether it's time sensitivity, whether it's getting bonuses, they are less likely to buy now. So ethically, of course, don't lie about your discounts, but is there a way you can give them a discount? Maybe it's Black Friday, maybe it's Red Nose Day. Why don't you use the newsjacking marketing concept and every time there's something going on, like April Fool's Day or any day where there's a story or you know, there's World Passive Income Day, if you just go onto Google and type in World Days, there's a list of all the days, you know, random days, World Watch Day, World Whatever Day, there's a pretty much a World Day for everything. And then you've got a specific reason for giving the discount, which gives it the credibility, and then give people a discount. And if you give them a discount, they will buy more in the droves immediately. And then you add time sensitivity or scarcity to it. So you give them a discount, but only for the day. I did a, a special offer for one of our social media trainings on St. Patrick's Day. And our partner and trainer who runs the social media courses, he's Irish. And so there was a, a good link there. And because it was only one day, we've got hundreds of people requesting to come to that event. Whereas if I'd have just said, oh, you can come to this event anytime, the price is X, no discounts, people wouldn't have done it. So any kind of time sensitivity, like you're, it's only gonna be available for X amount of time or you only have X amount of places. That really helps the sale. You know, sometimes when you go on websites, you see there's a countdown timer. You have one day left and the actual timer's counting down. And so that makes you think, oh, well, if I miss out, I might lose out, I might get the FOMO effect, the fear of missing out, I better do it now. Now, if you are employed or part employed and you're a part entrepreneur, it's the same thing with your salary. Your boss will not pay your salary up front. You get paid between 28 and 31 days in arrears. So the only proof that an employer has of you is your CV and your interview. And by the way, that's not great proof. The best proof is them having worked with you for years. So they're taking a risk on you, especially as they've probably just paid, paid the recruitment agency 15% of their salary up front to hire them. So that's why the job market works that you get paid at the end of the month, not the start of the month, because you've got to prove your value to the company. So if you want to increase your salary, what you do is you increase the value up front and then your salary goes up. Whereas most people do it the other way around. They go to their boss and say, oh, well, I'm not getting paid enough and 
Tom over there told me how much he gets paid and that's not fair, blah, 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 and I want a pay rise. Well, you know, your employer doesn't care about that. Your employer cares about the value that you provide to the, their organization. So if you do value first and then salary request later, you've, you can go to your salary review meeting, you say, look, Rob, I've done this for the company, that for the company, this for the company, that for I've increased the followers by this, the revenue by this, the top line revenue by this, the net margin by this, I've done this, I've done this, I've worked this many hours, I've done this, I've done this. And I'm requesting just a 15% salary raise. And by the way, inflation is 7%. So I'm only actually requesting an 8% salary rise. Now, you probably shouldn't say to your boss, and you've got 24 hours to decide. But you can see how it's a much more value-based proposition, more compelling to your boss if you do it that way. Brian Tracy taught me that in 2006. And um, whilst I've only had a job for a year and I've had two jobs and got fired three times, it did work for the very short amount of time in my life that I actually had a job. So I hope you've enjoyed this rant on not dropping your pants and not giving away your prices too early. And remember that little magical script. Because if, you know, if someone says to you, Rob, how much is your product and service? And you said, oh, well, I can't tell you yet because I've got to tease you and you've, I've got to show you the value first. They're going to go get lost. So remember that little script. So tell me what you know about my product or service already and it will chuck it back on to them to tell you what they know and then you can build the value proposition from there. Rob again, stay with me here because I've got a gift for you. I get asked for these a lot and I thought, well, I'll, I'll leverage my time and yours and I will put these four things I get asked a lot into a free gift for you. So if you go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report, then what I've done is I've written for you an article on the top 21 apps I use to create the mobile lifestyle. I've written an article on the 14, my most favorite educational, inspirational, informative documentaries of the you know, most inspiring people in the world. I've written uh, which ones they are and a synopsis of each one. I'm very well known for having lots of very specific goals, detailed vision values. So I'm sharing with you my particular document I use, I've PDF'd it for you. And also the fastest ways I know to make money for startup and scale up entrepreneurs. So I've written an article and a detailed report on each one. I've put them all into one. And all you have to do is go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report. You get those for free. I'll never ask anything from you, spam. I'll never spam you, never sell to you. And then also once a week, I'll send you a new article or a new video content that's a bit different that maybe you wouldn't get normally from the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. So I hope you find that useful. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Thank you